0: Does your startup or small business culture really mean anything? Can business culture really grow sales? Business culture is really about how you treat people, but for many businesses, it's not something they think about, change, or improve. Is your business culture something that is holding back your business success? We're going to discuss business culture and how it affects your growth on this month's Box podcast. Please like our podcast and subscribe to our channel to get notified when next month's podcast is released. Can you hear me now?
1: Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming Box Technology and Business Rundown!
0: How to grow your startup and jumpstart your sales. What is your company's business culture and how can you use it to grow your business? Welcome to the Screen Box Technology and Business Rundown Podcast. In this month's podcast, my co-host, Botan Sedesh, and I, Dave Erickson, are going to get some culture this month by talking to Russell Debris, founder of Performance Faction. Russell is a well-respected business coach who is insanely passionate about helping business owners scale their business in a way that brings profit, purpose, and meaning to their lives. After a tour as an officer in the United States Air Force and a few other startups in between, he co-founded the digital agency LifeBlue. After 15 years, he sold a majority stake in the company in 2017 at an eight-figure valuation. Near the end of 2021, he felt his time as a digital agency operator had reached its end and decided to focus on helping other business owners create successful businesses that are profitable, sustainable, and built to last. To this end, he started Performance Faction Consulting to help businesses reach their full potential by setting up the right foundations and business cultures needed for success. Today, we are going to discuss business culture and how it affects your growth from startup to sales, how to make growth happen. So Russell, an impressive history. Is there anything you'd like to add?
2: No, I think you covered it very well, Dave. Thank you for having me on the show. Excited to talk about uh, all things culture and uh, yeah, looking forward to the conversation.
0: Let's start off with business culture. Uh, maybe you can describe to to uh, our listeners what do you think business culture means and is.
2: Yeah, I mean a very very nebulous term, um, and and you can as I, I have a talk I give and I tell people you can go on Google and get you know several hundred definitions, but I really just liken culture to the collective behaviors in the business or the cumulative unacceptable or acceptable behaviors that exist in a business. So at a very behavioral level, right and and that's probably one of the challenges in business that is very this in squishy intangible definition so uh, i'd say the first start is right how do we define it in a way that people can understand so
1: what role do you think uh leadership plays in shaping and nurturing a healthy business uh, russell
2: i don't know if this is fortunately or unfortunately but pretty much everything i mean the business is ultimately going to follow where the leadership takes it and right, and I help a lot of small businesses and that's one of the, even the challenges that small businesses have in scaling is right, if you're in a small business you can kinda of just get it all done because you've got that capability, that skill, you're highly motivated, highly ambitious, and then you hit that wall and and then now it's about people movements how do we uh share these behaviors that are positive that are going to help the business grow you know from every level right just from not only the delivery but to how we get work done and internal processes and things like that so the leader has to lead the way uh in all those different things and and the more and more that business grows uh you know making sure that they do that in thinking in terms of the people, not just the bottom line in dollars. I think that's what happens a lot in business today is it's, it's too much. What, how is this going to affect sales? How's this going to affect expenses? And just going straight to those answers versus how do we get this group of people to provide more value and be more valuable to them in that process as well.
1: Right. So do I gather correctly that, uh, you believe in leading by example in these, uh, questions
2: uh i mean that's just a a given i think uh i've i feel like i've gone through the university of leadership through i did rotc and at college and uh, spent some time as an officer in the united states air force and let me tell you one thing you'd get hammered real fast on is if you didn't lead by example and show uh, it had to be a team first mentality in your leader especially coming in as a uh, a young lieutenant and and being over people that had been in the air force for 20 years if if you didn't lead with a people-first mindset, and by example, uh, you were gonna get your lunch handed to you real fast.
0: A lot of startups are started by a wide variety of people. And sometimes startups you know, are, are started by a group of engineers or an engineering person, not really people with much experience in leadership or running a company, but they come up with a product idea and they say, let's, let's make a company out of it. So in that situation, You're kind of thrusting someone who may be an introvert or maybe not somebody who's even understands management theory or anything like that into the role of CEO or leader of the company. What kind of advice do you have for somebody like that who, you know, doesn't necessarily have leadership skills? What should they be kind of focusing on to become better leaders?
2: Uh, leadership is certainly a journey right i 'm not the leader I am today uh, that you know that I was when i was, when I was younger um or I should say right that i am i'm a far better leader and i I think honestly the first part for business owners is empathy. You know, I think because we are ambitious, because we you know maybe have this idea and right, we're highly invested, we've got a lot of motivation behind this, that we forget others aren't just so naturally inclined to that. You know, they've got their own personal interests in mind and what they're trying to achieve with their life. So ultimately, it's empathy for that understanding that, you know, they're not going to put in 100 hours per year business just out the gate unless you inspire them to do so. So I think empathy just goes a long way that this is a people movement journey and how do we bring along others? We have to show that we care about them. So I think along with empathy comes care that if we care about the best interests of people involved in this process, that's going to guide us to a lot of the right decisions, especially as I you know, make the uh, analogy a lot when money decisions come into play. Oh gosh, what, this money division is going to have a very adverse effect on people. But when we really take a people first mentality and, and like I said, again, that empathy approach Uh, it often just guides us to the, to the right answers. And, you know, I think, and, and what I speak about too a lot is it was that, that transition when we've decided we needed to stop focusing on just revenue expenses, how do we survive, but really how do we create an environment where people can thrive? And I didn't have all the answers when I asked that question the first time, but just simply asking that question and going down that path was, was pretty instrumental I think in in turning the business around.
1: I mean, that's um, that's an interesting uh, paradigm, that on one side, a leader has to assure that uh, whoever they are leading uh, set out and perform the task ahead of them. But on the other end, uh, they also have to enable that team to work well together. Uh, One thing I I have found during my uh, professional career, I have yet to play a professional leadership role, I'll be honest with you russell but uh, one thing that i i found is it uh, it is incredibly uh, effective to just focus on the small things like uh, sort of like uh, a psychologist would do like always uh, leading with the same question like how how are you not uh, hey i need you to do this <laughs> right uh, I, I'm sure that you have uh, a much, much better explanation for this than I could ever give. So,
2: Yeah, I mean, right, if we go back to that definition of cultures, it's behaviors. Behaviors are not massive concepts, right? Behaviors are the, the smallest of things to the point saying hi. Uh, I, I had a, a business owner on my podcast uh, not too long ago, and they said a, a huge turning point in their business was they used to show up every day in their office and they would go straight to their office, put their head down and get started on work. And, and then, you know, I don't remember how they arrived at this epiphany, but they're like, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to say hi to people. Um, and and right in that process, uh, you know, she learned more about them and, and, you know, I I think she basically said this was a turning point in her business when she started saying hi to people as she came into the office every day and, and right. So many, Positive incomes, we could outcomes we could assume would would fall out of that, right? You understand your team. You have more again going back to empathy, right? This is all a relationship game, um, and and then the other thing I think is right. Yes, this very task driven mentality. I think again a lot of times business owners are very ambitious. How do we get? To, how do we just move on to the next thing? Um, not necessarily. Maybe always slow down and think. Okay, this again this is a people thing. We will move faster in the end if we bring others along with us. And so I'm a big believer in even just the one-on-one where, you know, if I talk to a lot of business owners, they say in those one-on-one meetings they have, it's, well, what are you working on? What's going to be coming next? All these very, again, task-oriented things. But those conversations really should just be about the growth of that individual. Where are you at in your career? What are obstacles from from the next place you're at and how do we work together on solving those? You know, is there a new responsibility you need? You know, so many things can come out of those questions. If we just say, this is about growth, not how to get work done. That's all humans. I think we're always incentivized to get tasks done at the end of the day, but can we be inspired to achieve at a higher level? That's very different than, yeah, very, very operational task-based conversations.
0: As someone who started several businesses like yourself, Um, I, I definitely understand the, the concept of different people have different responses. And I I do think that, uh, particularly like the first business I had to run, uh, the focus was on the people, but more on the focus was on the work that people were doing. Uh, and that for some people actually works really well. They, they prefer to be treated that way and other people start missing the other aspect of it. Right. And if I made a mistake in, uh, you know, running a business, it was, I was focusing too much on the tasks versus the people. And then obviously the second business, I said, okay, let's, let's focus more on the people. And as you learn these things, you grow and, and now the focus is all on the people. And sometimes I err on the other side, which is not getting the task done. Uh, so it's a, again, a balancing act of, you know, letting people do what they want versus giving them guidance. So maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about that in, say, small businesses or small uh, startups. There's usually a small team of, you know, three or four people. Their personalities may not line up. How would you, like, what, what advice do you have for those type of companies of balancing out those personalities and getting them kind of moving more along in the same direction?
2: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question, Dave. And I think this is, this was a big learning experience for us in that growth journey. And I don't even know if I maybe even described in learning practice, but just to even understand how I kind of even came to all this For our first five years in business, we, we probably got to about a million dollars in revenue. And, but we were, you know, this close to just failing at any given day. I think we, know, our doors were likely to shut, uh, and then, and then. We, um, as I said, kind of some of these philosophy changes, mindset changes, the, the epiphany went off and, you know, we, we had some pretty fast growth there and then eventually sold the, the company for an eight figure exit. So um, all this to, okay, just gives some credibility to some of the, uh, the, the concepts we're, <clears throat> we're discussing here, but this is where I think is the big struggle for small businesses. You probably start out hiring who you can get, not maybe always who is the best fit for the culture and the environment. And, and, and that's a really tough struggle to navigate, right? You don't have a lot of budget just to go and get anybody on your team. So a lot of times your budget's contricted and, and even just, as you mentioned earlier, you haven't done this before in terms of hiring, how to bring people on your team. But, but ultimately, if you can get to this point and the sooner the better, right? If we hire people on the values based upon the values of the company and, you know, certain traits that we say are really important for people to going to work there. They can have some of those personality idiosyncrasies, and I don't think it's really it's not going to really be a problem in the environment, but if there's fundamental values that you know I think are misaligned or off, that's going to be tough and I think that's sometimes where you see um you know some of those issues right and and let's just take a fundamental one that we were were very important about this we We wanted people that wanted to learn and grow, and so we always even just said like hey, if you're not better. From when you are today, two years from now, then you're probably not the type of person from this company. If you just wanna come in, do your tasks and get off, that's it's not about I wanna make you work a hundred hours. That's just about saying, I wanna be the best developer possible. I wanna be the best designer possible. Um and and, and so, right, that's a values thing. Some people do just wanna check those boxes and there might be an environment that's perfectly great, um, but that wasn't gonna work in our environment. So how do we, again, get gets back to just values alignment and, and bringing people on the team that, that share at least at some level, some core set of values that are very similar.
1: I mean, it's really important to have a team where the core values, the uh, the core beliefs of the people on there are are a good match or at least a decent match but even if those values are misaligned it is possible for uh, it is possible to remedy the situation by molding the culture to account for all of these uh, different points of view and i do wonder if you have any uh, particularly uh, fun examples of situations like this
2: you know and i think that's a probably again a tough thing from a, a small culture versus a large culture a larger culture when you know, those beliefs are shared widely across the board. You know, I think people can assimilate and, and kind of be inspired and learn like, oh, maybe this is a better way for me to operate or or uh, I'm inspired to for for whatever things. and But going back to a small culture, you know, one person can dominate uh, so much of the behaviors of that group. And, and so that's what just makes it all the more, I guess you could say, fragile at, at a smaller level versus a higher level. But downside, right, is a, a larger company if they've got some maybe negative aspects in there um, you know, it's a lot harder to, to reorient them. But I'd say at the end of the day, it just all comes back to behaviors, um, and, and focus on a behavior level. If you say learning and development is important and you want people to grow, are you putting your money where your mouth is, you know, and what, what do you have in place to, to show that? So for example, in our company, since that was such a big component, we right hadn't, everyone had a learning and development budget for a relatively small company. I know that's some of these things are things, large companies just, have out the gate because they can throw money at it but that was that was a big expense for us to give everyone you know two thousand dollars a year to say you know go do go learn something with this Um, you know that's that's kind of free money for you to go do that Um, we held you know this is pre-pandemic so we're still all in the office but every week we called it uh, life blue university and brought people in and And, um, you know, we had lunch brought in and we bring speakers in and that would range from development related topics to, you know, cybersecurity and, you know, how to set up a server and things like that to things that were just complete, um, Outside the box, right? Nutritionists, uh, fitness experts, uh, financial experts, just to help people with the total person concept. And then sometimes just inspirational. We uh, brought in a very interesting gentleman that collected homeless signs, uh, our people, our signs from homeless people. And sometimes he'd pay for them. So he had this entire art collection and he talked about just this whole journey of this whole process. And everybody, I mean, some people were practically in tears. They were just inspired, right? So um, it was a culture of learning and, and caring and, and kind of total person. Uh, but it but it had to be, um, you know, we, we didn't just say that we didn't just um, kind of put our foot down and say, this is what we're going to do. We, we put our money behind the behaviors in the business that that match what we were trying to accomplish there. And it absolutely um, changed some people, I, I wouldn't say not not maybe revolutionary, but um, but, you know, I think people got on board that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been.
0: In starting a business, particularly small startups, um, but also SMBs don't do a lot of this stuff in the beginning, you know, uh, some businesses do. They sit down and they, they write out their mission statement and then they write out, okay, we, you know, our business culture, these are the points that we really want about our business and how we want to run it and treat people. And they're very detailed about that. And usually those companies are run by people who are very detailed oriented. Um, and that's great. But many businesses that I've talked to, they don't have any of that. They don't even think about it when they start the business. They're just so focused on, okay, product is ready. We got to get it here and we got to start marketing. We got to start selling. And they start getting into the nuts and bolts of the business. I think it might be much harder later to correct that. To all of a sudden you've been running the business in a certain way and then all of a sudden a year later, you know, we really should kind of have a value statement and a mission statement and let's get everybody together and talk about what's important to them and that type of stuff. How important is it? I mean, does it really matter? Do you think that you need to start off with a very precise or set up or flushed out mission statement and value statement and and all that type of stuff or is it okay to start the business and then a year later try to do it what do you think works best for you
2: that's a really good question I, and I don't know if I have like the the you know the, the very pointed specific answer and and cuz one of the things I I mean people have made all different types of businesses work with all different types of manners and 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 still get to the same Power, even if we're just talking about good culture businesses um I, I think if i look back on my own journey at least to to have a, at least a waypoint right the notion of if we take a compass and we just say we can go in any direction that's not as good as just we're gonna head north and i don't know exactly where north is yet or where my my waypoint is but but just having some ideas and, and some of those thoughts written on paper i think is is at least maybe a good starting point even if you maybe just don't even have an idea of what you all want that to be um, in the long run. And the reality is, is the businesses, the business is probably, especially when it's a smaller startup, it's going to naturally inherit the values and those traits and the mission and the purpose of the owner. Um, and it's over time where that business, the business culture itself starts to separate from, from the owner. Um, especially, um, if they don't manage it maybe to the, to the right way. And so I think that's why sometimes culture can be bad in, in startups, it can be good and bad. Is that right? They're, a lot of times the dream of someone starts a business, they have, you know, they, they want to make money and right, it's part of even staying in business is the survival game of making money. So I think that's what becomes the driving force of the culture. If we don't really set it otherwise, I mean, business has to survive, it has to make money. That's the fuel for growth.
1: Russell, for you personally, what does the following expression mean? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast.
2: <laughs> you know, that, that uh, I've, I've started hearing that a lot more recently, and I think that is a really good way to describe um you know right the you know i think in all this chaos of a business environment especially a startup environment is go 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 get it done get it done get it done and you miss out so many pieces right again a lot of times owner driven the owner might have the talent to go 100 miles an hour but you know maybe the the intern or some of these other employees don't don't have the skills or the ability or again goes back to maybe even motivation to go 100 miles an hour and so while you you might solve some challenges, you're going to create a lot of fires in your wake. And so I think that's just your, the company in the long run is only as good as how fast the team can go, not how fast any one individual can go. And so ultimately the whole business goes faster. Um, um, when, when, when slow, and I think that's why slow is smooth you you have the time to focus on attention to detail, you have the time to focus on process, you have the time to focus on people um, and in the long run, those people are getting better more empowered along that path, and then eventually that smooth is where where it becomes fast. I think that's how it um, at least correlates into the the uh, i think in the same way right coming from the military reference if you know or taking a you know a building let's say in the military and you just rush in guns blazing and everything like that um you know we, we know how we can imagine how chaotic that would be versus uh taking the time going through it the right way um that ultimately you'll probably get to the same or better result faster than yeah all, all the chaos that might ensue otherwise
1: right I, I think you bring up a great point there motivation that uh, so many people miss like uh, I don't know if uh, you, Dave, or you, Russell, saw these uh, CEO meltdowns a couple months ago, wherever, where they just fail to grasp the concept that uh, they, as the owner, have uh, the motivation to move the company towards a eight-figure or nine-figure exit, while the intern, earning literally nothing, may not share that motivation, and <laughs> may not be inclined to work 16-hour days. And I feel like there's a disconnect there. And I wonder if you have any good tips to sort of uh, internalize uh, this uh, concept of uh, vastly different levels of motivation.
2: Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, one, it just is the constant reminder that they've done so many studies now and prove that money is a relatively low motivating factor. And, and there's even more studies that the more complicated work is, or the, the type of work someone's doing the it's actually demotivating to try to just throw money at incentives. So it works great. If you know, I'm making widgets, right? I, I can move so much more faster. If you pay me more to make more widgets, I know the exact, I guess, uh, there's a term I serve. I didn't create this up, but success is the ability to match effort and reward. But when that is big and complicated and nebulous, uh, it, it, People don't know how to work harder to, you know, even grasp that financial incentive that might be in place anyway. Um, and so I think this just comes down to fundamental needs. What what are people's needs? That's what's going to motivate them. They want to be a part of something. They want to belong. They want to contribute. This is a fundamental need we have as, as human beings. Um, And, and right. They want to be successful. They want to feel like they're contributing and they have their own mission and values and things. And this gets back to value alignment. And if they can do that in their work, that's going to be inspiring. This is going to be motivating towards them. Um, But you know, if if just someone is just telling them work harder, throw money and they really don't know what that means um, you have so many more unintended consequences than in terms of what their activity is going to be. They're going to be thinking they might be, doing something really good. Um, and so and even get back to your question, you know, from the intern to, you know, every level, uh, are we meeting the needs of why that person is there and, and right. Interns have a different set of needs than a senior executive or something like that. Um, but again, if we can align these together and, and, and everyone thinks everyone, honestly, if we just think about this, we all have, we can't expect someone to just, want what we want, Um, we have to meet them in the middle. And maybe that's just how I will net out that answer is, is meet people in the middle with what their needs might be, create places for them to fulfill those needs. And I think you solve a lot of that along the way.
0: I mean, it's definitely easier when you're a small company to be able to, you know, look at even understand or know the needs of the people you're working with, your employees, and and some of them are doing tasks that are redundant and don't have a lot of flexibility in them because they're very mechanical or whatever. Uh, But other tasks, you know, uh, some owners are very micromanagey and want to manage every aspect of of a worker's work, whether it's, you know, doing something mechanical or whether it's creative or whatever. And some owners are, are able to give their, you know, you're the expert, you go do it, and I trust you, kind of kind of way of, of doing it. When you're small, that's relatively easy. Obviously, when you refer to your employee as employee number 3672, can you please, you know, do this? And you're, you're pretty big at that point. That scalability, how, how do you take a business that's small and personal, and the relationships are very close, and as you grow and start scaling up, how do you keep it so that you can still motivate them, not just with money, but with relationship and, and treating them well?
2: You know, that, that's a challenge I almost want to go figure out and how to solve at some point. I, I think we do have our examples out there. Um, so one of the things, we were registered B Corp. Uh, if you're familiar with that concept, but if for those that are, aren't and listening, that's basically, it's a collective out there that um, measures its members that say we're balancing profit and purpose. And so we're not just about the dollar, but here's all the things we've proven that we're, we have in place that say, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of about this concept. Um, and so if it starts, I think it starts at the top. I mean, I think that was baton mentioned earlier, right? It starts with the top and that trickles down. Um, and, and I think if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'd say we have a lot of leaders in businesses, uh, at a lot of different levels, especially the larger, the organization that got there, not because of their ability to move, inspire or grow people, but because of some other skill they have. And then when you have a collective of leaders throughout the entire organization, where that's their currency, that's their value, that's what they're after. You kind of get what you get, uh, I think in terms of the overall culture. And so, we were really big and I know that um, right is people need to be in leadership and management positions that are excellent at guiding and managing and growing other people that really is where I think the the net net comes down to. We still need our hard chargers and our our dynamic people that have these skill sets, but oftentimes don't know that they need to be in kind of management or even true leadership positions um, because that's you know I think that's just going to affect culture in a negative way in the long run. Um, because they're not, I mean, quite, and not not to give a blanket label, I know we're talking about a big concept here, but a lot of times those people don't really know how to achieve success through others. They only know how to achieve success through themselves.
0: Someone who's doing a creative role like ad creation or marketing has one kind of style. Sales is a completely different one, right? Sales are all about motivation and they use money as a reward, but really... You know, to keep sales motivated, you know, you have to hear no, a lot of times. And so managing salespeople must be very different. And, and some businesses, the sales are all done by the owners initially. If an owner is, has a startup and they want to kind of grow their sales, that's a personality thing and a culture thing as well, not just finding a salesperson. Is that correct?
2: 5,000 years ago, right, people on the frontier, right, so we needed all these different roles. We need the, the challenger that's going to go in and, and, you know, not, uh, right, uh, and then we need, you know, the peacemakers at home to keep everybody together, and then, you know, we, we need all these different personality types and roles, and and so they all fit into the system, and and and, you know, to the extent sales, right, that is a different personality type than the person doing very creative work Um, They are inspired by a completely different type of thing, right? This just gets back to where they need to hold some of the same values, but we can lead those people differently when we understand these different personality types and how they operate and what their needs are. Uh, I think just even knowing that works as well.
1: Realizing the differences in uh, both needs and motivating factors. Uh, But I think that we can add on top of that to also realize the, the commonalities on both sides, so let's say that I as an employee i I would like to earn more and spend less. however you as a CEO also would like to earn more and spend less and uh, these two the, these two value systems have an inherent conflict built in and I do wonder uh, how these can affect uh, certain aspects of uh, of the culture like uh Uh, how to how to mitigate or how to mediate uh, these conflicts
2: yeah you might I mean you might be the number one crux there of all all challenges in in business right there is if if everybody wants to (laughs) make the most and 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 the least amount of input or or resources or effort uh, how do we align that I think the first thing is is results and I think that's probably a lot of the problem. And especially, right, we're we're going down a technology path in the business world, um, right? We're move, we're far past the industrial age as as being the main piece of, I guess you could say, to to label this this time period we're in. And so, you know, the industrial age age mentality says to be, have results, you actually have to be there doing the work. Um, you know, there was no automation. There was no work smarter, not harder. You just had to do that. Um, so I think it's more about embracing results and measuring on that, not how long someone's working or anything along those lines. I mean, that's the scary thing I'm hearing in this kind of post pandemic, you know, try, companies trying to get returned to the office and all these mechanisms they've tried to put to in place just to make sure someone is sitting in a seat, um, or whatever is, is the scary part of that. But it's not too hard to just say, if I just measure your results and if you can get those results done in an hour. I don't care what you're doing, um, you know, the other seven hours of the day or, or something along those lines. The same way a customer uh, doesn't care if you achieve results for them and it took you one minute, they're going to pay for that value. Um, so, <clears throat> so it is and isn't complicated, but uh, I think again, we, we've set up all these practices that are built around someone being present, not
0: results-based you know, people got used to having a certain level of freedom and responsibility during the pandemic working remotely. And now a lot of companies are saying, wait a minute, I got this office building I'm paying rent on or own or whatever, and I need to fill it with people. So go back to work. Um, I've actually talked to some developers. uh, They're fairly high level developers. And they say that developers from other companies call them saying hey do you have a job at your place because my place wants me to go back into an office and i don't want to go back into an office anymore so all of a sudden there's kind of this and again it's a small percentage of the workforce it's not everybody but you know 10 or 20 percent of the workforce has decided they don't want to go back to an office right and and so small businesses could use that as a way of gaining people that they couldn't normally get by offering remote work but there's still a lot of people who are running businesses who aren't comfortable trying to manage remote workers, right? Our business, everybody's been remote from the beginning, so we're very comfortable with it. But there are a lot of people in a lot of companies who feel the only way to, quote, control people or manage people is to have them in their office so that they're there. I don't know, uh, you know, that's kind of part of the business culture, right? That a business can decide, okay, maybe we don't need everybody in and who gets to be remote and who has to come in and, and that type of stuff. Uh, that's probably one of the bigger challenges facing businesses right now, right?
2: I mean, it's definitely it's definitely been a hot topic and I think I fell into the camp that you couldn't pay me to go back to an office every single day. And right, I was the owner of a company that showed up to an office every single day. And um, one of the things I've... I've Right, pre even remote work being a commonplace thing was, I was, how inspired by that. Actually, the things a remote business has to solve to be successful is the same things an in-person business needs to solve to be successful. We just get fooled with our eyes and kind of this butts and seats mentality. But again, result a uh, a remote business has to be more results based. Uh, in order to survive, anyway. Otherwise, we we see the hacks I've seen on TikTok and stuff like that that people create to how to feign or fake being productive or something along those lines. <laughs> like, like, that's people are going to go where they're incentivized. But uh, you know, if their if their job depends on hitting a result, they're going to do what they need to do to hit that result. And and the better we can measure what that's going to be out the gate, the more successful our business is going to be at any level, any size, overall. Um, and and yeah, stop measuring on things that aren't right. A button seat is not providing value. Uh, Some measurable um, um, metric or thing in place that's going to say, were you successful today or were you not, Um, is a far better way to operate.
1: Yeah, I feel like you really hit the nail on the head with that one since uh, the only reason these hacks can exist, like the mouse jigglers and uh, whatever else, is because even in remote environments, we are looking at like oh is he green on teams oh it's not green why
0: <laughs> <laughs> like
1: yeah. who cares i mean may- maybe someone is just trying to think about stuff and goes for a walk but no the way the way we measure presence is uh is just is he green on teams yes good he's working yeah <laughs> are there any results from that day maybe not maybe yes <laughs> yeah but that is uh, is is much much less uh, taken into consideration, I find, and and, and still, uh, but just I'm gonna go totally off topic here, but uh, this future where AI is creating art and people are stuck doing menial jobs is is not the future I imagined as a wee lad. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's very far from what I imagined.
0: AI and what roles it's playing in businesses. You know uh it's almost like your business culture nowadays has to kind of start including that uh, a very good example is the writer's strike that's occurring in hollywood they're striking part of one of their demands is they don't want ai to do some of the writing right and the studios are like well we want that option and so uh, uh, you know employees fear new things and fear change i look at ai as just a tool that allows people to become more productive but people doing work see AI as a threat to their job, which it may be in some cases. And in other cases, if you, you know, it's an opportunity to grow and, and be more valuable. Um, but is, it, I, I think that's something that in business culture, businesses have to take a look at of how do they want to have AI involved in their business and what role does it play?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think... I think I mean we're still in this topsy turvy nature of of AI and what's going to be long term effects going to be and you know I was at a conference recently and the most passionate discussion at this whole conference was the topic of AI and and all that but I think we all kind of netted out and agreed and said this is a tool and and tools historically have not eliminated jobs they've morphed to jobs and and I think that's really where AI is going to play out. Um, as well as, as we're still going to need humans to do things. It's just what the humans, the human portion of that is just going to change with AI. Uh, it's going to make things faster. I mean, it's certainly going to cause a shift in, in um, you know, the amount of, if nothing else, the amount of content that gets produced because it can happen <laughs> in an instant versus, you know, some humans do, do take time to do things. But, um, you know, may, I might be worried, I guess, in saying from a workforce perspective, if I'm below average and then this, you know, machine can come on and instantly do better than me. But that means I have, you know, I have to morph myself in that, right. Um, how can I basically always say net out better embrace this, not fight it, um, because it's coming and it's going to, um, it's just like where I I liken it to the web, you know, 20 years ago, uh, where we were so worried that, you know, Wix and things like that, were going to put us out of business because people could just go build websites themselves. But it's far from that. It might, a little bit lower floor that someone would get in without paying another company, but found out real quickly, if you want a good website, you can't make that in Wix, you can't do that yourself, you still need, you know, how you structure, and right now we have roles like UI, UX, and and all these things, we've added that process versus just your developer in the, in the basement of their house that can kind of do it all, put it all together, um, you know, 20 years ago.
0: It's a very interesting evolution about how these business tools come into a business, the advertising industry was like that. They they were grappling with uh, banner ads and in, in website advertising, and all of a sudden, uh, smartphones came along, and they were like, "Oh my God, what's this going to do to our industry? It's going to kill us!" And you know, the, they're not going to do traditional advertising, and and you know, it just gave them a new opportunity to learn and grow. And those agencies that that understood it and learned how to do mobile advertising, grew. Right. Yeah. And those that didn't, didn't. and I, I think it's kind of a similar situation.
2: Well, I was just going to say history has shown at this point. Right. Those that fight, change, die. I think of blockbuster video. I mean, they were just dead set on that. You know, people were going to go into a store and, and rent videos and things like that for a tourney. Well, and right. I'm sure you've maybe heard they had the opportunity to buy Netflix for, you know, a, and a. a Thousandth of a fraction of what it's worth today. And then, uh, you know, just a direct comparison there. Look at Netflix and how they evolved from I'm sending you a DVD to, you know, uh, what, what Netflix is today. I mean, I don't know a single person, honestly, too often that doesn't have a Netflix subscription. Um, and so, so yeah, history has proven you cannot fight it. You better figure out how to embrace it.
0: How often do, do businesses need to reevaluate their business culture Is that like a continuous thing, or once a year, or only when things change, or what do you think?
2: I mean, I think that, you know, we've heard the saying, culture eats strategy for lunch, or whatever. I think that culture is going to exist or not exist, depending on what you do or don't do. is So um, the the question then becomes, yes, I think uh, I, I liken it to you know, right. in A startup mindset, the owner has to wear many hats out the gate. There's no avoiding that, but it is not too far into the business where I think their importance does become on managing and focusing on the culture. How is it evolving? And is it evolving in the direction that it needs to versus not? And, and really just having your thumb on that. Um, and, and, you know, I I would say, you know, even as low as 15 to 20 people, uh, your, if your business is focused on that, I, I, I have to, Maybe I need to do some study someday that you would be far more successful than if you're still trying to do all the sales or do all this one piece that, um, and then something else is, you know, culture oftentimes it can get completely ignored. And then it, then it like I said, it's gonna grow some direction one way or another. Is it the direction you want or not? I mean,
1: personally, I think culture is a thing that needs to be constantly reevaluated, Like just how we do in real life, I mean, outside of business, culture is changing by the day. Uh, it was just a few decades ago that many of the social practices that are 100% accepted now uh, were absolutely taboo. Like, uh, I mean, I don't want to bring up anything too controversial, but uh, I'm just going to say the one example which is very apparent in today's society. is we used to have uh, insane asylums and we decided that that was a terrible idea and let's just give those people jobs and give them a place in society but with every culture change there are good sides and bad sides and I think one of the things we lack as uh, well, I say we but I mean uh, you or anyone else who actually leads is a good set of criteria to evaluate future culture changes that we would like to implement
2: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, right. Who could have predicted the pandemic and the massive change, you know, obviously hopefully we don't have cataclysmic uh, events like that too often, but yes, I mean, right. To the whole point, you know, I mean, we we've seen it so much and I think in this information age we're living in, we've seen it change on such a, you know, I think far far faster than we can actually comprehend as, as humans. um, If you just only compare it to the first several thousand years of, of modernized society. And so um. yeah I mean I th- I think if nothing else the 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 cultural trait that will adapt and play well the best over the the upcoming years is the ability to adapt the ability to learn quickly embrace new things and if nothing else maybe that's what companies should would should focus on is how do we adapt how do we how do we be a, a, a environment where we're learning um and and you know woe to the Businesses that want to fight and make things like they used to be, or any grouper out there, um, good good luck. I say to that.
0: Uh, some people welcome change and want change. Some people, you know, change comes along. They really don't want change. They they like it the way it is. You know, uh, uh, you mentioned something in the history of. I think it was Life Blue as your agency. Yes. Uh, I think it's something that is similar to many businesses. They they build the business. They get it to a point and it kind of plateaus, right? Uh, Year after year, they can't seem to grow the sales. They can't seem to grow the business. Maybe they don't want to. Some businesses are just happy chugging along and making the money they're making. But other businesses are like, I would like to grow my business. I don't know how or something's happened. With your company, you kind of reached that point, right? You said that uh, it kind of grew to a certain point and that stayed there. And then all of a sudden you had explosive growth. In that period of growth, did something change in your business culture that helped you grow or to make that growth happen? Maybe you can talk a little bit about how that happened and maybe how other businesses can kind of stimulate their growth by doing that.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I focus a lot of my work today on the agency space, so I definitely understand, at least from a kind of a thought-level, professional, technological service perspective, how a business ecosystem works. Um, I think across all business, a lot of same principles apply, but I'll, I'll be reticent to say, you know, that's a hundred percent true, just because I have not gone and experienced in, in manufacturing or or some other space like that. Um, But, you know, I I think we talked a little bit earlier. It was that epiphany that just said, look, people, we don't, we don't have a machine that we can fix and operate and it's going to spit out a thousand more widgets per se. We have this group of people that are doing the work Um, that, you know, for lack of a better term, is our machine. Um, And so just like any machine you would have, you have to take care of that. You have to um, give it the latest technology. You have to um, you know, um, repair it when it seems broken or or something's not quite working right. Um, And you have to give it the right input so it's going to put out the right product if if, if we just kind of break this down to its simplest components. So it goes back to just asking that question, how, how does that look like, right? And there's a lot more business theory that even exists you know, 12 years ago when we were going about this process of, of how people are motivated and work again, moving out of this industrial mage mindset. So, um, so I do, I do a talk on, it's called the eight keys to high performance culture. And I think that's, I mean, if we could really just start one culture is more than just fun. I think you have a lot of companies out there that say we do happy hours and we have these get togethers and we have, we make jokes at work and that's, we have a great culture and that's, that's a part of culture. Um, that is not the culture. I mean, cause at the end of the day, uh, if that's all that's going on in the business, then we're not producing results. We're not growing people. We're not, we're not developing them. So it's all the other things. Am I, am I, you know, do we have integrity in the business? Trustworthiness? Do we have transparency? Are we showing how the business is performing? Do we have accountability? Do we measure how we're, how we're, how we're performing? And, um, you know, those are a few. So, so there's several elements to culture beyond just having fun and, and I think at any given time, if you have a business that's maybe hitting a plateau back to your, your original question, um, you know, you've probably got something that either hasn't scaled in that right from an element of culture or, or just simply needs some refining based upon where the business has grown to or, or something that it's achieved.
0: Most businesses, it, it's, it's either a supply issue. They can't produce enough. They can't make enough. They can't do enough. Or it's the sales side they don't have enough sales. They don't have enough income. They don't have, you know, some businesses is both where they have both challenges, but usually most businesses, it seems to be on one side or another. Uh, if it's on the supply side, that's more internal or in the case of, you know, supply chain issues, it's, it may not be internal. Um, and on the sales side, uh, yes, it could be internal. You don't have a salesperson and you need a salesperson or it could be on the marketing side. You're not getting enough incoming leads or, or things like that. But from a culture standpoint, you know, again, people are motivated. So if you do have somebody who knows the business, they may not think they're a salesperson. If you work with them and motivate them, they may try it and they may be successful at it, right? versus trying to hire somebody outside who doesn't know anything about your business and they just come in and, and try to do something, right? Yeah. Uh, most most small businesses struggle with sales anyways, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, at a, at a smaller scale, right, you're gonna hit that what, what are your lead generation mechanisms? You know, I think especially coming from a technology services business is so many businesses get to a certain size just on referrals. Referrals aren't scalable in the long run in a business. They're a great component. I mean, you're probably doing decent work, maybe most likely. Uh, But right until you learn to actually market, you learn in turn, you learn to have a, a, you know, a specific target audience that you uh, apply value to that's, that's going to be a, that's, you know, especially in a lot of the clients I work with, that's, that's almost number one for all of them when they're not where they're at, where they want their business to be. Um, And I think you solve some of those fundamental layers, right? How to, how to, you know, um, how to get your product done in a way that you can train somebody on and how to, generate your own leads. Uh, That'll take you a good long way. And then that's problems I haven't personally encountered yet, right? When you get to uh, 100 million, what are your challenges to scale to get to a billion? Those are those are things I probably really haven't thought too much through yet.
0: There's obviously, you know, different downsides and upsides to the way you get business. I mean, uh, referrals tend to be more personal. So they have a lot more margin in them. Whereas incoming leads tend to be more competitive. Uh, because they're looking not just at you, but many other people. Um, So there is a kind of a spectrum of that. I I think that this this idea of business culture, you know, I I think it's more powerful than people realize. And I I think that, you know, they really need, especially when starting a business – focus more on it because i think that when you start your business and you know where you want to go and you know how you want your company to be like you have a picture in your head you know when my company's small i want it to be like this and we do these things and i I think that gives you a guide whereas you know i got a product i just spent two years building it and now i want to go to sell it and go to business let's start a business and okay partner I, i i've known you for a couple you know days and you look nice and let's let's start a business together and you know i I don't think that works very well i think nowadays even a small startup you really need to be more methodical in how you start your business and more strategic in how you plan to go because business culture kind of starts from the beginning at least that's my feeling um and, and although it can develop and change if you're starting with no thought on it, and a lot of people I think are starting businesses and they're not really thinking about it, or they think about it in a very abstract way. Like I'm going to start a business and I hope I make money. And if I make money, I'll donate this much percent to this charity. Right. And to them, that's the, maybe the level of business culture. I don't think a lot of people really think about, you know, what type of people do I want in my business? How do I want them to act? Uh, you know, do I want a wide variety of people or do I want a narrow type of people? Because I'm detailed oriented. I want, I only want detailed oriented people in the business, which, you know, has its strengths and weaknesses. So what do you think about how much a business should should go into planning that and in, in figuring out what type of people they want in their business?
2: Well, I think even, right, I mean, to the extent that it, Feels natural and maybe not forced as, as part of it. That's where maybe you, know, you analogy earlier of let's go north versus let's go to this very specific um, GPS spot or say, I mean, right, if we think of just traveling anywhere, the more specific spot that we know we're going to, the faster we will get there, we'll, we'll choose the fastest route or um, or, or, or the most efficient route or whatever that case is. So so the more specific you can be, I think it can be helped. But but sometimes I think too, it's maybe not right to force it. I think sometimes when it comes to some of these things, they, they evolve themselves. Uh, I use the example of, you know, we, we didn't start out the business with a purpose. Um, and and again, it goes back to sometimes maybe you just got to learn some of this stuff the hard way. But, but when we finally did create the purpose and we use the term save the world from bad design, and and we didn't really even know what that meant at the time. We were just like we want to build cool websites. But over time, that morphed into so much more that not only did we didn't want to build good websites, we wanted to design a good company. Um, we wanted to be a place where people could thrive. Um, and so that's what saved the world from bad design. Started you know the, the meaning started to build upon itself. Um, so so just where I get back to maybe earlier really just have uh, to your point. If i try to the the, the least. Um, uh, common denominator is yeah. Have some th- throw out some thoughts and 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 maybe see how those stick and and do those make sense and even understand too. I think this is one thing that comes to culture is it aspirational or is it lived? And and sometimes I think when people create values, they're maybe more aspirational than lived, and then we just have to understand what those behaviors take them from aspirational to lived. If right, if it if it's not the way, and I think I made that mistake once in business where it's like all right this is our culture it wasn't our culture is what i wanted it to be um but Mm -hmm. it goes back to you can't just say it you've got to live it so um yeah putting some putting some throwing some ideas and thoughts out there and then figuring out what the behaviors you need to support them would 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 always be a good good first step in that thought process
1: i I think there's an expression for this is to look after your backyard before you go international (laughs) uh but i've been wondering one thing it's uh, is it even possible for someone to build a healthy uh, company culture given that, or when uh, the person in question has absolutely neglected both their physical and mental health, which is something we see all the time with startups, especially?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you, you asked earlier, to lead by example, um, you know, and and, you know, you can't Um, and I think that gets back to, and I think this is where even business evolving is. We we have to think about the total person here. Um, you know, there's a lot of what I, what I can't stand in the world is generational bashing. Um, we we all have our issues and, and, and pros, right. And in terms of how we come up, but if we really have empathy for, let's just say a younger generation out there that, I mean, they have had to live through this massive technology change and shift in how the world works. Um, and guess what the school system doesn't keep pace with that. And so really all these things that we expect or want, um, that, you know, maybe if you're a little bit older, middle-aged or whatever business owner that you've learned by trial by fire over 20 years, your career, um, they're simply walking into it unprepared, uh, and just goes back to empathy, understanding where someone's at and what can my role be to, um, you know, help them along this journey that they're in. And if my business can be a vehicle to do that, where I can provide value to customers, I can provide value to people in that construct um, and think about this as human, not just a moneymaker thing, then, uh, you know, I think that's going to play out far better, especially as the, you know, if we think of tech and the recruiting landscape gets so much more and more challenging uh, every single day as we we progress. Uh, I want to be seen as a company that, makes people better that cares about people and that's going to ease the grease uh, so much so to speak on how i can actually get people to come work work here that might even if i can't afford maybe this amazing salary they're going to come work because they see is a place that you know understands this is a human
0: thing so what services does uh performance faction provide and and how can people uh work with you
2: yeah so so this has been been an evolution for me and in, in right purpose and i'll i'll give i'll give the basic logistics of the company itself but even talk about how uh, my own purpose in this right is is formed over time um but so yeah I do um one to one coaching and consulting for agency business owners typically small to medium size um so ranging from a handful of employees to um, you know, on average twenty five, fifty, and then, uh, or 25 to 30, sorry. Um, and then, um, you know, different services for agents down to that, but basically they're in this, they're stuck in some place, helping them get from where they're at to where they want to go, whatever that is. I'm not molding that for them. I'm letting them craft that themselves, but just be given. I've had a lot of experience in the agency space, uh, myself, and then getting to work with and talk with a lot of, uh, other creative and marketing service oriented agencies, um, I've seen a lot of ways it's worked and hasn't worked and getting to share that information. And, and in some ways, even starting to build a community, um, again, not only businesses that succeed from a monetary standpoint, but, um, right. Give back and, and live out this, this culture piece. Um, and that's really where my mission, right. When I set out to do this, I didn't have all this lined out per se. One, I was just like, I need to go do something else. This sounds like a good idea. Cool. Let's go do this. But now my mission has grown and I've, i thought this, but it's formed in terms of, I love small business. I think small businesses naturally embody so much of these things that we've talked about today. It's easier to embody some ways when we talk about culture than massive thousand person organizations. But, um, and I want to see more small businesses succeed. And beyond that, what you mentioned earlier, what's one of the challenges a lot of small businesses run into is the ability to generate leads and, and sales. Well, if I help make better marketing companies out there, Um, where better marketing companies exist, there helps to kind of solve that um, transition to better small businesses or more successful small businesses. So that's even just how my purpose has evolved in such a a relatively short amount of time as I've been doing this for, for almost a couple of years now.
0: Russell, thank you so much. You've given us some culture and some of your tips on creating a successful business culture that can help startups and SMBs grow. For our listeners, please join us in the first week of next month for another Screambox and Technology Business Rundown podcast. Until then, keep eating yogurt and stay cultured. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy.